secure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we are going to review the uh, revised edition of the clan book Asimite. Welcome, Bob. Hi, thanks. It's a pleasure to see you. Love I, you, love I, your show. Love you, love your show. First time caller, long time listener. Claim book Asimite, revised. Um, a pretty dramatic difference between the first and the second? Quite. I would say arguably the the number one, right? Right. Um, even Claim Malkavian has a difference, yeah. right, as we said. Yeah. but And they do a dramatic update, but I think this is even more so because they tie this difference right. into canon as well. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it's like lifting the fog of war. Exactly. Where, where Mouth Book 1 was kind of like, whoops. Yeah, it was revised. This was like we intended, right? And whether whether that was just creative license to make it seem a lot better fit, they hit the mark. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I think that anybody that's listening to this that's familiar with the pre-revised clan uh, Asimite and the post-revised will will understand that the Asimite clan was kind of one-dimensional, right? It, it it was True. it was very one dimensional and there was some very basic illusions towards what clan Asimite actually was in the first book, but it was just kind of like just kind of washed over, right? And with this one, it's literally like someone lifted the veil and gives now you the player a, an idea of what this clan really is. And as we promised, the the first ones were kind of the serious run through, and we made sure to nail, I mean, to nail down all the the main points. Like we built the backbone at length. Right. We're not going to do this here. We're like like last like all the revised books. We're going to yeah. give you the inherent differences. Right. So I already know the fog of war is lifted. Uh, the first thing I want to comment um, is the person on the cover, uh, Fatima Al Fakadi, and I may be butchering the name, but that's about as close as I can remember to pronounce it. I used to look it up. Now mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm, I'm real American me about it. So, right. Um, uh, Fatima is an awesome, awesome character um, that is used in canon quite a bit. Definitely in the novel. She has her, has her heyday. Right. And they have her in a clan book so you can know her relation. Yeah. And, and on that, on that subject, like, I don't think we've actually ever mentioned that, that with the first edition, with the original clan books, they're just pictures of, you know, whatever it, it thematically, they kind of match in some regard, but with the revised edition clan books, every one of the characters that's on the cover of the clan books, every one of those drawings is a character in the clan. It's like someone, you know, with this one and, and, uh, Aisling Sturbridge and the Tremere and, yep. and, and so on and so forth. Like a subtle read the novels to know what's going on and what's going right. on. Right. And, uh, cause we know revised Gehenna is the thing. Right. And the novels really do help tell the tale of what they got going on. And uh, here, no less, uh, Clan Book Asimite, 
I do like the whole entire feel. Um, Clan Asamite is steeped in uh, Middle Eastern culture and Assyrian culture and beyond, right? It goes back right. even a bit before that. Uh, Persian, right? I mean, right. it's it's fucking dope. Um, what's cool about it is that there's a certain reverence that you got to look at when you see this clan book. Uh, me and, and me and Nate even went so far as like early this morning, early this morning, we were listening to different uh, thematic songs. I know Nate found some choice ones that he's going to play that we were just listening to as reading. Right. And it really enhances, you know, kind of getting this book, um, the mood, right? Totally cool things to do. Uh, but what they did in this book, um, first off, the author is Clayton Oliver, who we we haven't gotten away from. It. It's just we were looking at a terrifying theme that every book that Justin Achille wrote, we seem to love. Right. And so it was like, we're just going to assume or we just didn't mention. Um, but Oliver's here. And he's the one who just cited as being the one who got this book down. And I got to tell you, he nailed it. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Uh, one of the ways he nailed it is, is he established in one page the tie-in of the first Ed book with the revised. Off the bat, you, they show you what a copy of the Treaty of Tyr must have looked like. This is what it is. Right. And this is how everyone acknowledges the Asimites beforehand and why they had to chain these savage killers, the rampant Diabolus and all that tether them these loyalist blood worshipers and that's that's that yeah camera yeah. stepped there and then called a day right and it's a story that you know that's not different but here you have it presented like they wrote it out and they said here you can read it for yourself and and to me that's cool because that's something that not only will it go in your head and you'll have an understanding of it but it's it's literally something you could present yeah. in a game context you could copy this page present it to your players you know you could you could run like what's going on with the asimites you could run an asimite game where this is a, a, a central focus where this is imperative so whenever they do stuff like that i i appreciate it immensely and and this game has a lot of that a lot of tying into plot mm -hmm. uh, cuz off the bat they go to start breaking that down and they highlight that there's a guy who, uh, whose name escapes me. I won't uh, slow it down by diving in to get it. But he's a vizier who's tasked, and that, I'll explain that term later, but he's a guy who's tasked to writing down the words of the eldest in exile, which is Al-Ashrad. Mm -hmm. Al-Ashrad served as the emir, which is the sorcerer of Alamut, uh, the very head elder who leads all the sorcerers in Alamut. What? They have sorcerers? Again, I'll get to that. Right. But off the bat, they distinguish that the eldest in exile has left Alamut, and he's tasked this scholar to writing down and translating the lores that they had about, uh, not even just lore, but the words of Hakim himself to present to the Camarilla as to why they wish to join their organization to explain what's coming. Remember the themes of Gehenna. Now, before we get to like, what the hell does that all make sense of? Note that the first thing they're trying to do is to highlight a very well thought out, very well written day in the life of the progenitor right. of their entire clan. Now, why is that? As the guy says, this is Hakim's diary. That's where a lot of this is coming from. Hakim is the founder. Those not in the know, those ignorant, would call him Assam, believing that's why they're called Asamites. Now, they're the children of Hakim. They're not Asamites. They're called that because that's what people not in the know, right? Not like, oh, man, bro, you suck. You don't know. But more like, they're crazy Diabolus, man. We right. chained them, and they're called Asimites, and that's how it's handled. Right, because that's what we've called them. That's not what they call themselves. Exactly. And as the children of Hakim, this distinction makes sense when you realize uh, who was Hakim. 
Hakim was a guy that existed before there were, there were armies, right? And at that point, they're just war bands. So in my head, it goes, we're talking the lands of, uh, that you could relate to watch Conan the Barbarian, right? Who was the guy that played Sutek or set in the, in the, in the movie, right? We know it's James Earl Jones, but he roved around with a group of other warriors right. and took what they want and made their, made life from it. That's the type of world Hakim came from. And as they describe it, he grew sick of war as all warriors who've seen real war do, because as he was running around as that roving band, he got tired of sacking villages for what he needed and decided to cool it down and became something of a scholar. He settled, does that, kind of going through and doing his thing. And somewhere on the line, he gets picked and selected for the embrace because of these practices. Not only do you know war, he's a cool dude doing his thing. There's that. And as to who embrace him, they just, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're just like, yeah, he's, right, right. he's embraced. Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you want to pick one, you know, here's some stabs at it. They don't want that to be the focus because they don't really care. Right. Because Hakeem is all. But that's different from the first book, right? right? The, there was a focus on on Hakeem being embraced by Cain. Like, now it's not a focus anymore. We don't care. Like, that's, it's just confusing. It's whatever. It's, you know, so it's it's something that's been cleverly overlooked. Right. And they, and they have in here that there's, there's illusions that it was, it was probably Enosh mm-hmm. or Inesh. And that's because the Hakim refers to Erical as the sister mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of himself. Right. But then again, brothers and sisters and who knows and all that other stuff, it, right. just, it gets, it gets confusing, slapped around. So even he says, remember, I'm translating the diary written on clay tablets <laughs> that the antediluvian made and i was permitted to give them to you in a written form right so interpretation is what it is and also in those annals of lore there are thousands of scribes thousands hundreds of scribes have gone over and added to what they think the interpretations are most likely he was selected to do this very task now as you learn about hakim uh, you also learn that hakim first and foremost does not want a war that's that's his whole thing, his whole shtick. He's not a guy about that life. He can war, doesn't like to. And uh, so what he did like to do is he liked to go around and find somebody really good in their craft, somebody amazing. Uh, like, for instance, he saved an astronomer from getting stoned to death. He was a primitive astronomer. Um, they thought it was like some sort of heretical magic he was trying to cast, and they were stoning him, and he was going to die, and Hakim embraced him. He didn't want to waste the knowledge. He felt that was worthwhile keeping around. So this speaks to somebody of intellect, and that's what I'm that's what I'm building here. Somebody who not intellect like Hakim's a genius, but intellect like he got that there needs to be someone who can think beyond pointy stick and take what you want. And that guy seems to be trying to figure his world out, which is what Hakim was using his life to do, his own life to do, is just figure it all out. Now, the first nights, as he's this vampire, there's there's nothing but warring going on, right? And what I mean by nothing of warring amongst the vampires, like the jihad, you want to think wasn't really a rough and tumble type place, right? Not a beginning. Cause you want to think Cain took care of it all and everybody obeyed. Uh, no, <laughs> it just, it just wasn't. Um, at the time, Hakim was tasked, uh, with settling disputes in a sense, like he was always neutral. Um, they just, he's in the book describes it. He would go around living his life and, you know, one antediluvian try to pull him into the scuffle of another. Someone's trying to either use him as a dupe, or they're trying to use him to directly oppose someone with him in, in cahoots. And to him, they're all family. 
he calls them brothers and sisters for a reason and they they shouldn't behave as such and so he's he didn't lecture them though he just said you know not at this time right that's what he kept telling them and he kept them separated church and state now in doing this they went further to say well if you're going to be neutral and you're going to hand do that part you could at least help us defend the city from what we got going on because people would see the first city and the, the cities around it wasn't the only city the right. first city but others saw how good they were doing right they always have food they always yeah, have crop and they wanted more yeah people people want what they don't have but why do they have more food always uh-huh. it's fucking vampires right they don't eat food <laughs> right. right right so there's a symbiosis there yeah grow all the farmland of all the farmland you need you need more farmland no problem it keeps you healthy right right yeah. can i just give me your hand for a minute there you go go get more farm food. right You're right good. and that was the idea so when everybody came forward someone had to defend the city well the only one who had an idea how to do that with any any semblance of effectiveness was hakeem right and so he had to grab a couple guys to to help figure that out and he embraced them and he had them there to defend and those were called the judges those first right there those judges help him do that and that was that the uh, excuse me it wasn't the first he had scholars first as i said those those are viziers those who are embraced because of an artisan skill or knowledge those are viziers later to defend the city those were the judges those are the warriors right in-house they call them judges right that'll become evident in a second um now during the second city is where you run into a conflict because the jihad is a thing right the first city's over the second city gets formed hakeem left after the fall of the first city went about his way kind of disappeared and when he shows up he has like a, a hundred or so members something like that and he's at the gate and he politely asked if he can return home basically and out of the gate came Malkov, and Malkov said absolutely come right in Malkov gave him all due hospitality right. Malkov at this time is confirmed by clan Asimov as being a sage that was his role as written by hakeem himself and so Malkavian let him in and he on his own land Malkov gave the Asimov sanctuary and right. allowed him to prosper and grow and i thought that was dope because in the other clan books it's like cd back deal and they're all plotting they're all trying to kill each other but if you think about it uh, it makes sense it makes total sense this is word from an antediluvian talking about what it was actually like right it couldn't have all been you know let's plot about how to kill the the three that are alive that are second gen so we can grow stronger if it was that all day those three just would have smoked them right there right. wouldn't have been any of that it just of when course. you're done and forget about it well in the second city when Hakeem gets back and he's looking around with the, his children, he's looking and they're looking. They're like, you know, basically, um, teacher, because that's how they referred to Hakeem. He wasn't the dark father. He wasn't any form of worship. He literally was a mentor and, and a teacher of what they were. And they, in turn, taught him what they knew uh, from why he made them, right? Because Hakeem was no astrologer, hence why he embraced one. Right. So looking out, he saw all the other Methuselahs, you know, the fourth and fifth gen. They're just... <laughs> Bless you. Fuck. Oh, sorry, I gotta pull my nose. No problem, man. He saw the fourth and fifth gen, and basically of the other clans, and he's embarrassed, right? He feels out of sorts about it because those are the descendants, and technically, like he's like he felt they were nieces and nephews, and what they're doing is is they're pretending to be gods. They're ruling over the children of Seth, the mortals, and they're basically they're blood gods. They're they're caught in machinations of all forms of excess and want and wanton and he doesn't know what to think about it other than have his opinion but he can't say anything because those those are not his descendants sorry about that folks i got a little sneezy there so what happens is 
the antediluvians agree. And by antediluvians, I mean the third gen. They, the same as Hakeem, they end up coming to him. And they're like, hey, Hakeem, guess what? You know, this, this kind of sucks because you're not, you're not picking sides again. We know you're not. Uh, but we also know that we're getting out of hand. There's far too many. We're going to draw Kane's anger. And this is really going to start getting shitty. And that was the key thing. That insight lets you know that Hakeem wasn't the only one who knew dad's going to get pissed, right? Granddad, as it were. It's great that you guys got this going on and you don't want to start nothing, but we know this can't continue. And so they're like, Hakeem, you should rule us. And that sounds weird. All fans of all the other clans are getting pissed, but I want you to hear this out. Every one of the, everyone, Torador, uh, Nosferatu, Malkat, they all knew every one of them have a reason to wanting to rule would be an advantage over some jihad thing with everyone else. Right. <clears throat> Only Hakeem was neutral because Hakeem didn't give a shit. He didn't want to war with them. And so he stayed neutral the whole time. His own children stayed out of it. However, it was Solid who told him, you know, we don't want you to rule for us. We want you to rule to protect the mortals. And right there, he knew he couldn't say no. Um, is, he, is he a benevolent guy? Absolutely. At this point, Hakeem was sick of being immortal. Right. That's why he was going on wanderings. He's trying to find the point of him existing. And when he heard that, he couldn't tell them no. Because he saw the abuse. He can't do anything about the descendants. But he can't help protect the mortals against the descendants was the point. And so he goes about the task of making his judges more relevant. Right. Meaning instead of just defending the city... We're not going to have you going out there and watching them. They have to feed. That's not a no. And I want you to note this. They didn't put on capes, right? <laughs> right. They're, not, they're not running around being the new Justice League. What they're doing is, is they're going around and checking out these vampires and saying, at what point are you crossing over the line? You had to feed on one mortal and that mortal has died. That happens. We get it. You need to live. Right. However, when you woke up and went to feed and kill the rest of the family, what was that about? And if you didn't have a fucking answer, the judges did. That mistake happens once, and it never happens again. That's just how it was. And the scholar here even adds that they were bloody as hell. Because as cool as that setup was, he goes on to add that even Hakeem is writing how even this went south. This is what he was afraid of. Because now that he has these judges and taught them what they had to know to do what they had to do, they let it go to their head a bit. Right. Well, I mean, and that calls into question just the very basic concept of what a vampire is and what they become you know the, right. the curse we'll we'll call it that because it's the it's the theme of this game from top to bottom you know it's it's the the descent into the beast one story sticks out of that where it, it shocked me it was even kept but it let me know how detailed these these writings were or they want to seem these writings are the term amaranth Right. Always rung a bell, right? Like, what's that mean? We thought Zemis, maybe. They had another term here. It says that Amaranthine was the name of a child of Erichel. And Amaranthine was the first victim documented of Diablery by the, by the judges. Right. And that's because someone fed to excess and wanton, and that's what occurred. Well, there's a theme to this. In the second city, it was discovered that there was another faction of devil worshippers. Right? These devil worshipping canines were trying to infiltrate the second city. And by the time they got wind of it, it was the Salubri who found them. And uh, because their, their ghouls basically came back to report what these things were doing. Right. And that didn't stand. Right. Judges were being dickheads because they had nothing to do. I'm going to be frank. 
They had like centuries of walking <laughs> right. around. It, it right. reeks to me when I read it of that. It, I can't remember the name of it. I told you I was going to try it to. I, I didn't look it up. But there's a there's a well documented experiment where a psychologist. It's it's a document of evil. Uh-huh. The experiment was they took like twelve or twenty four men. Twelve were made prisoners. Twelve were made guards. Right. And then they set them up to a shift. And they were supposed to be locked down for a set amount of time. And they ended up having to end the experiment early because they were given no guidelines. They just knew that the whatever the jailers told them to do. All right. So what Bob is referring to, uh, I believe, is called the Stanford Prison Experiment. Right. <laughs> what, what did it take? Six days? And right. And, and, and what they're talking about in that experiment was it became a, ra- a thing to study. Like, what made these guys go so dark Right. just by having power? And it literally is a study that they, it's referred to as a study of evil. It's like, is evil a thing? Is it learned? Where does it come from? And it's it's from power without rules. It's just what man does. Right. And so it's seen here in this book. I really think the uh, the author and, and the group that worked on it definitely took it into account and said, as good as you want to be, the moment you're the end-all be-all, that there's a line. And, you know, who watches the watchers becomes the phrase. Yeah. Well, that's great. They had two centuries of it. Maybe Hakeem would have stepped in and stopped it when he came back uh, because... You know, great, but a greater evil reared its head. Um, and in here, we had the devil-worshipping cult, right? Right. Um, they come in, and they're doing unspeakable acts. And it'd have to be unspeakable. If we're talking as the second city where vampires rule openly. You had to be pretty bad right. to get their attention. We've talked about, too, the the second city and, and the discovery of... We talked about this in the Thaumaturgy book where, you know, they're talking about, like, this, there must have just been piles of bodies. Oh, yes. You know, it's uh, the excesses. When we think of excesses, we think of excesses from our perspective, from the perspective of uh, modern society. But, I mean, religions came from this stuff where it was like, we can't do that no more. That's, (laughs) you know, like excess. We're talking bad. So when I, yeah, when that term's used for sure. And uh, what were they doing? I'm going to leave that to you. Right. You think of devil worshiping vampire cults with no laws out in the days before laws were laws. What do you think they were doing? And so um, the Salubi were like, we're going we're gonna to get at this. However, Hakeem didn't trust Solid. He remembered how Solid hooked him into watching, judging everyone anyway, and how it kind of is tainting what they got to right. do. And he was cautious, but he went with them. I make that distinction. It's written in Hakeem did not trust. There was a misconception that the Salubi and the Asimites twiddled off into the ever after of immortality hand in hand. <laughs> after this book like they skipped through the glade no they fucking didn't you know they didn't invite you in element you were in an eagle's nest chilling you know why it doesn't make sense you'd just be one of you would become a bloodline at that point right when which is what happened and uh that's that's yeah right right, right. and and interestingly enough both of the hands of the same upstart fledgling clan so the bali is who we're referring to because those deep devil worshiping people had a name right and they were there and they were trying to sack the second city <laughs> Now, those devil worshippers are outlined in several clan books. Right. They, it was the land of darkness where... Well, yeah, the, the Bali are mentioned. We we have not reviewed the Bali book. No. We haven't gone into great lengths about the Bali. And they're kind of mentioned as boogeymen in other books, but they're not. I think the most detail we get is right here in the Asami clan book. And so, you know, outside of Second City, which is where Lilith got cast and all that other stuff, there's just a wandering wilderness of evil right. is what's written. Well, that's, that's, that's because if you were outside of these walls, this is what the canines who, you know, their writings remember, right? The very worst of what was going on. So 
Slurpee go out to fight, so the Asmites, they eventually whittle it down, but it's a very vicious fight. Because we're dealing with people who are not, no one's a super warrior. Right. Right? These people knew how to wield a blade and a bow and arrow, and that, back in the day in history, was considered an advancement. You, you evolved from rocks and, and sharp rocks, right? Right. And now using arrows and javelins and spears, and they refer to that. The spear was the most effective weapon in history once upon a time. Still was, and they were using it. So keep that in mind. But they're getting their ass kicked because their enemy's throwing lances of sun. Right. Beams of sunlight, fire, bombs, and what else? And they just, they're just getting dwindled. And out of nowhere, Hakeem comes back seemingly when they need it and introduced the sorcerer cast. <laughs> and, and, like, and I mean, literally, it's like Hakeem becomes a tactician of necessity. All right. his sojourns is to bring back people that the city need seemingly at the right amount of time. Now, as the scholar writes... There might be stuff in between. It's just not here. Right. And they all relate to the fact that also some of this seems to be maybe a little sensationalized. And, <laughs> and he points out directly. He's like, okay, you know, we know it happened. We know it did. But just right. some of this is written by the victor. We'll just keep that in mind. As it rolls through, though, um, Bali defeated Driven Back. That's great. Second City Falls. And, you know, more's the pity. And you, you kind of move on. And by, excuse me, Second City doesn't fall yet, but it's, it's getting there. They're gone. Centuries later, everyone thinks it's great. We're all having fun. And out of nowhere, there's another report. And it says that this entire settlement vanished in one night. Terrible things. Things howling in the night, screams of death. Um, whole entire little buildings were sucked into the ground. Insane shit. And one person lived to come and tell the tale. Right. Okay, great. Well, the Salubri warriors wasted no fucking time. Uh, this is something that is testamented. The Asimites have nothing but respect for Salubri warriors. It's outlined in this book. Because they said, by our teachings, by what we know, we're going to handle this. Because you need action and lightning quick. And we trained, and you know what this is. As it's leveled to, to Hakim. And Hakim said nothing. But he cautioned knowing what is there. Because we just, we just don't know how many, where, how. we got to see how deep this goes. We know that tale. That's as the clan will tell you in the clan book. That's not for us. We know what happened. Everyone does. I.e., clan book salubri will get revealed. You will understand a bit more about that. Right. But let's just say it does not go fucking well for those salubri warriors, right? No joke. And because of that, Hakeem proves right. The tactician he was. Now, what's interesting about this is that Hakeem leaves, right? He knows that's there. He's out. Gone. Because the moment they reared up, all the other antediluvians were mocking the Asimites and the Salubri saying, it, it's bullshit. It's another stroke in the Jihad. You're full of shit. This could be them again. You guys killed them all. Not only that, clearly it's a plot as a meese trying to get at Eric Hell for some slight. They, they went at each other over it. Right. And so they had, they had to make a move and a choice. So while they're figuring all this out, they decide to sneak underground in a cavern system where they knew the Bali to be dwelling. And they're having these rip-roaring cavern fights of such spectacular fashion that basically clan Asimite, um or the children of Hakim and the salubri are almost wiped out period like the warriors as far as we know gone or rescinded or they're nowhere anymore but that still left the Asimites who followed down there trapped and when they're down there they knew they were the last bastion after they're gone there's no one to stop these bali from getting at the door because the eldest was wiped out in a coup right as this began wiped out at dawn and trapped them in the cavern. Now, 
I set this up and tell you this whole story because there's an, there's an individual I'm about to mention. And I want to keep in your mind that it's definitive proof in writing as to why the Shamir clan sucks balls <laughs> by comparison. Like your paltry fucking modern magic, whatever. You lost it when you weren't a mage anymore. And you're, you just don't carry weight to one man. Because when an entire clan of Bali, devil-worshipping, infernal psychopaths were coming to kill the last remaining warriors... I love it because there's a howl of screams that were heard in a cavern. Blood came rushing in so deep, it reached up to the very tops of the ankles of the people involved in a cavern to understand that volume. And a small child came walking from the direction of where those infernal blood army was coming from with no fucking sign of them in his wake. Right. Right. He walked up and simply said, it's a burnt child figure who has no eyes, they're burnt out of the skull, and whispers very softly, Hakim sent me, and I am of you. And the clan knows Urshulgi. He was coined the herald of, of, of Hakim because who has an entrance so magnificent? I'm just saying. I've read of right. nothing <clears throat> in White Wolf that had an entrance like this pimp. Right. Well, and, and he, you know, he's referred to in a lot of other books too. And right. Like, that... To me, that's like the final boss. <laughs> it is. <laughs> right? Like they came and they came up short. Right. Like just didn't know. Well, and, and you know, we learn too, both now and in Revised, we kind of, we learn that this entity is powerful enough to wake up and, you know, perform a ritual and, you know, end the the curse that was levied on the Asimite clan. But we got to, you know, and you got to understand this book, um, I won't go into too extensive detail about the jump history, in fact, but the fact is that the Bali are at the at the core of why the Asimites don't have the numbers of other clans in the Camarilla. Right. Why? They're in the thick of fighting. They're in the thick of judging all of Kindred as they redeem. This clan has such a loyalty and have factions that were based to do one thing. Protect the children of Seth from the excesses of vampires. It's not right. that they need to be protected from every evil... We don't care about serial killers, rapists, none of that. That's mortals will protect mortals. They have right. their own laws. But if one of our own are the serial killer and rapists who are going through not to feed, but to just be basically dogs. Right. The, at, at their heart, they are the judges of their own kind. Exactly. The and, brother's keeper, these dudes. But but it also, you know, it, there's an indication here that uh, maybe they are prone to their own excesses as well. Well... It, it doesn't, well, I'll say that yes and no, because in here what it says is that the judges on their own obviously had that problem. Right. Right? They become warriors after this. They become more noble. Right. When this is done. And this is something that's just not read in Vampire, right? It's like, you know, wait a minute, a noble vampire group? This just doesn't, like, all right. Right. So now I'm trying, because to, even to me, right, I really hate that. Like, where's the duality? Duality's here. Right. Every faction has their issue inside of here but the important thing to note is yeah if you're looking for that kind of i don't know i'm not gonna say white knight but if you're looking for someone who's a vampire that is here for one task and has a purpose written right well and, and you know that's the other thing too like um to step outside of the review a little bit and to talk about the clan like in perception these these individuals they perceive themselves to be the heroes right they very much perceive that like they have a job to do and they do that job. Right. And that's where that's where we get like they're not just assassins that are working for a blood tithe, right? These are they have a noble cause. 
And it's interesting because that noble cause is at the detriment of all of the other vampires. Right. And so they're kind of like the only ones that see themselves like living out their noble cause. You know, you might have the occasional other vampire who in a sort of romantic way goes, yeah, you know, uh, SMites are out there doing the job for all of us. But for the most part, like when you hear Asimites in town, you start looking over your shoulder. You do, because you never know if your action as an immortal is going to be one that's going to go across with what they believe in. That's the key. Every individual Asimite kind of has their own interpretation of what that law should be. Right. And they shouldn't. <laughs> right? I'm, right? I'm going to add that. They're taught different. There's laws of Hakim. Those are the ones that should matter. Right. And those are definitely for most. But to um, to add this in, where does where do the Asimites kind of get their dark... Bob, where's the reason? Like, why doesn't everybody just play an Asimite then? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the bodily work a number on them. Here's one thing the Asimites can't escape. They cannot explain why as, as they get older, their skin darkens. They have no right. idea. Right. Um, they do know it's more prevalent in warriors. The more you deoperize, the quicker your skin darkens. But they have no idea why that is. Why is Urshulgi all black? It's never explained. <laughs> no. Right? Why, why? Who burnt him? What the fuck happened? It's never explained. It's, one just doesn't know. Um, we do know that uh, when Urshul Gi embraced Alishrad, he apparently plucked his eye and took his arm. We are not dealing with your typical, I'm in a lab studying sorcery. I got my book hooked up. Yeah. And my, no, we're dealing with some old biblical shit, as it said. And that that's deep, right? So that's where this all comes from. Like I say, this book highlights that, yeah, there's, there's Hakeem. But in a lot of ways, Urshul Gi. Right. Right? So, um, yeah. Um, anyway, going through this, the Bali do a ritual, right? Basically, they get hunted down. The last of the Bali are getting their asses kicked at a place called Corazon. And in Corazon, there were Asimite warriors who refused to let up the chase. They were made for one reason, and they were once and for all going to correct the mistake they did the first time. They thought they wiped them out. They're going to make sure they wipe them out. And they go to Corazon, and they find that there were people that they recognized from their own ranks. There right. were the Salubri warriors. There were Ventru that they recognized from the second city. There were Lasombra. And we know for a fact that Lasombra had the Angelus Ater, right? That's a group. I don't think we've done revised Lasombra yet, but I no. when we do, we'll hear them that name again. And uh, the Angelus and Ter were this, this is part of their origin as well. But the fact is, they go into cores and these warriors decide to diabolize all that are there. Diabolize and kill and it's because that decision to kill them, to eradicate them, to ensure they couldn't come back was to know where the soul went. More importantly, it's also the ritual cast on the area knowing the Asimites would get this far. And their goal was to taint an entire bloodline. And, and they did. The Bali curse the Asimite warriors right here. And the Bali foolishly believed they were cursing the entire bloodline of Asimites. They were only cursing the warriors. That's as far as it got. And but they did their job, and so from that point you had warriors, who the who when they came back to Alamut were like, yeah, we won and did whatever. That's that's what happened. There's no way they could have caught them immediately, because it wasn't like they converted them to Bali ways and all that. They just diabolized them, and the curses in the blood. These guys mixed with the heart's blood, embraced and taught in the whole nine, and so there's this whole addictive quality that the warriors can't shake. It's already there and in place. Right. Well. You forward this out with the fact that uh, they're also big to point out. Children of Hakim were never cursed by Cain. 
when that fallout happens, right? Granted, we're cursed now by the Bali, and then later on, Kane starts levying curses, you know, because of what happened right, to everybody right. else. Or, or you, the curses came first. You know, uh, that's the the, the curses uh, that Kane levied came before, um, you know, the the Bali curse. The children of Kane were never cursed by Kane. No, that's why. That's why. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Um, the. Uh, in other words, I got you. In other words, the other being cursed right, right. This went down. Right. Historically, we don't know the timeline of when the curses from Cain were levied. We just know they were levied. Right. 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 We don't have I'm a we don't have a timeline, but we know the Asimites' curses come from elsewhere. Right. So, uh, and they point that out. And so, because of that, um, what do we know? We know that the Asimites bear three distinct blood or not bloodlines, factions, castes, caste. Fair. Yes, caste. Three distinct castes. Of those castes, you have their warriors. The warriors have a penchant for addiction to canine blood, period. Because they're savage. And that's that's the Bali curse. Right. Um, the other one is the viziers. They're obsessed with what they're good at. One thing. Whatever that thing is, whatever skill, whatever that is, whatever knowledge, they're obsessed with it and being the foremost smart with it. Right. they got to be the experts. Uh, the sorcerers, sorcerers are kind of just, just screwed. <laughs> right because theirs is that they're they're so steeped in magic their sorcery is auto detected when when you look into their aura they can't hide it it's right. something that you're going to know easily and that's just how it is and you're thinking yeah how's that compared to the nasratu curse well that's because kane didn't curse him <laughs> that's how that compares it just, right. it just didn't work out that way right. you know and uh it also brings up a, a pretty curious thing and even this book highlights it why are we all so varied in in what we have if we're of the same blood well um, how do other bloodlines form from other clans? Why do the Liban have something different than the Gangrel? Right. I mean, you see this happen a couple times. Well, uh, yeah, and this is this is an idea that fundamentally makes more sense, and it's something that when we get to a more modern s- sort of uh, uh, set of releases, you're going to see where that that is. It's happening not just with the Asimites. It's an idea that was uh, clearly de- like being developed and harvested here, right. and it's becoming more and more prevalent today with our modern releases. To me, it's a distinctive. Understand, this is me bobbing it up again. But as I always saw it, is is think about it. It's the diversity and specialization. It's the beast adapting to what it has to face. Right. So if I'm a warrior, always warring, always killing, always going, I got to get stronger and better and, and more prevalent. Yeah. And if I'm always hunting evil, do you think my beast understands that? Well, yeah. And, and, and the other thing, too, if you look at this from a like a just a gaming perspective, when you create a game, right, the big thing, a big uh, important aspect of it is balance, right? You want everybody to go. I don't have a distinct advantage one way or the other, depending on what I play. That's a great concept, and it's important in a lot of games, but I think that in a game that is story-based, primarily, you're you're going to have to logic your way out of that because it just, you know, like, life isn't balanced. Not everybody has a right. balance, right? And so I think it's very creative to to look at this clan and go, at at the core, out of the book, everybody has the same weakness, the same, you know, same detriment but when you get deep into it and you start making these characters in a more unique fashion and you remember like hey this is a story-based game we don't all need to be these bloodthirsty like you know addiction to vampiric vitae doesn't need to be everybody's weakness it can be but you can you know adapt you know you can you can make this more of a unique perspective on the plan 
And diversity. Right, you, you, exa- right? Exactly. That's, that's the word I'm it. looking for. Diversity. Right. It's, it's true. It makes it more interesting. The um, jump ahead, said to jump ahead in interest of time. Uh, we're going to skip everything up to the modern uh, just because it makes sense. Because I, I, I'm laying seeds. The seeds are the basis of importance of what Urshulgi is and who he was and who he was about. Also, of who the Asamites of ancient times were. And to know why that clan held strong up to the modern, right? And, uh, well, not quite the modern. I mean, one distinction note I want to point out is Carthage. They're in here pointing the other side of the coin. Right. Bruja mentioned Carthage. We heard from Venture about Carthage. The Asamites say we were the second most populous group that was in Carthage. That's true. What you don't know is why they were there. They came up there because some viziers were there. They're merchants. Really good at it, right? Remember, they're cursed. they got to be there to do it. And if anything, Carthage was a place of transport, right? You're just there to trade, do whatever. The whole world's visiting over here. What you don't know is that one of the one of the viziers also reported uh, some things that disturbed him. And when it got to Alamut, the Asimites decided to come and get the Bali. I'm making it the short, <laughs> short, short version. Right. They basically said that there was wanton excess that occurred in one interesting story. Um, they sent suspicion of it, and as Alamut was bringing their people in to, to confirm it, kind of their witch hunter type people, um, along happens that one of the fucking viziers met them on the road, basically. He he leaves and escapes and tells a harrowing tale. Excuse me, one of the warriors who was there visiting to back up the viziers. Well, that's the other thing. We'll get that in clan structure, but just remember, those those distinctive casts aren't left to their own and aren't backed up. Right. They absolutely are. For every group of viziers that are somewhere, rest assured there are there are judges watching them, helping them, and also making sure they don't fall to any excess or whatever. Same with sorcerers helping them do that task. And it's to them it's all duty. Right. Which which makes it awesome, it's right? It's like a balancing act. You got it. And it's who watches the watchers themselves, right? And uh that's makes it cool. The other distinction here is that this warrior he sees that uh some of his his own children goes to this event. And it's the brew I'll hold it, and there was some big bloody dance and blood happiness and all that. And it gets so excess that he comes back and at, dares to ask his sire if he would like to partake in the sacrifice of this chilled. And he used chilled in the terms of a newly embraced vampire that was embraced, my assumption, that night by the excess. You want a diabum. And the warrior was like, what the f? And he cut his way out of there. <laughs> he went there to get his chilled and was like, what? And just started, just, just sling sword chopping blade style out of that some bitch. But everybody came to kill him. Right. Because the Bali were basically like, he gets out, it's over. And so they're hunting him in the city and they're trying to cack him and kill him in Carthage. He makes his harrowing fucking escape to come back and tell him, we gotta go get them. <laughs> like, that's just real. I don't yeah, know what we're yeah, doing. Slow game over. Bad stuff. Well, as this happens, because it was one of the most shocking things to read in the Venture Clan book after reading historically about what happened in Carthage. And we said in that podcast, we couldn't imagine what that must have been like from the take the field. That's Rome coming to take the field with those vampire elders coming to smite whoever the fuck they find. Flip that around with watching Asimite corrupted, blood-tainted Bali Bruja cults that are coming out to the field to, to you're going to have to bring it. You want to kill us now? Oh, we got in good with the two most violent clans there is, buddy. Right. Like, we're going to show you what war is. Well, they had to. But the whole of the Asimites that got sent went in to, to cut the heart out of them, to infiltrate and start killing them. They literally came in, snuck into Carthage to get at who they had to, and they tried to quietly kill the worst of them and leave, but Rome didn't wait. Right. And once Rome marched, Rome fucking marched. And when they came through in all that chaos, the Asimites still haven't forgiven Clan Ventru because Clan Ventru gave the order to chop down all Asimites. It didn't matter who was on the field. It didn't matter what side they were on. 
even the the Asamites who were there visibly sided with them, chopping down those who had to go, they continued killing Asamites, and it was an order given by the Ventru. That is why the Asamites were given such shit right along with Clan Shamir informing the Camarilla. Who knows who gave the order, who knows what that deal was, but you could see why those two clans do not see eye to fucking eye. Right. Um, which is an eye-opener. It's, it's definitely political, and it's happened on the watch of an Eldest, but you gotta remember, at this point, class might operate without an Eldest because they were killed in that Bali conflict. Right. So, essentially, jumping ahead, how does it handle the modern? Clan calms down, things get better for them uh, in the sense of we're not fighting Bali every time we turn around. You know, there's a growth period. I won't say peace, but they got to do a task. But right, I, but but the Bali, for all intents and purposes, they're extinct, wiped out, right? Gone. They're done. We <laughs> did it, and to no one patting them on the back, I might right, add. Right. In fact, quite the opposite. You know, people citing you're the reason that occurred in the first place. Right. Or you know, those those whatever you're talking about, they never even existed. What what Bali? What is that? And so they do what they were tasked to do. Right. And you know the eldest. Well, what does that mean? Because uh, we'll just jump into clan structure because I have to explain that term anyway. Right. So if Hakim's with the Asamite clan at Alamut or wherever, because where Hakim is, so too are the Asamites, the children of Hakim. Um, what you have there, that's obviously it's his clan. He's the one in charge at all times. However, if he's gone, de facto it goes to the eldest. Now I have to point this out for you Asamite fans. Remember, what this means is Hakim never said, when I'm gone... The eldest is in charge. Those words were never uttered. <laughs> right. But because he didn't oppose it, they assume ad hoc that that means it was okay. And they couldn't make up their mind who was going to rule who, but we'll assume the eldest is the most powerful because they are, and therefore they're the ones in charge. Right. Well, if you're the most powerful, what are you going to do? Be like, well, I mean, I guess I won't be in charge. Yeah. If Ulshugi is awake, we're not going to tell him to pound sand. Right. Because Mike Mike Decker in the corner decides, you know, hey, man. Mike Decker. <laughs> I, I politicked my way here, so sorry. Right. right. You know, he going to get the sand treatment. That's all right, I'm saying. Right. That's, we'll just skip that. Um, but so that's the eldest, right? And so it's become a facet of their culture that they made. Now, why is this? Because Hakeem doesn't want to be a vampire anymore. They hammer that home. Every time he comes back, it's because we're about to die to what? Some great catastrophe. Well, I brought you sorcerers. Last time, I tried bringing you just Vizier so we could see how cool it was to have rolling carts, right? You didn't give a shit about that. I tried to show you astronomy so you can make it across the ocean. You didn't give a shit about that either, you know? And that's that's how I saw it. They kind of make him this weird Pied Piper of just the right guy at the right time, right? Right. And then and then he's gone. Why? Because clan, they're, they're vampires. Right in front of Hakim, the children of Hakim are acting out, Right. We want to be in charge. We're the warriors. We were made and we're the strongest. Yeah, but we're the, we're the viziers. We were made first. Right. It's, it's to us and the sorcerers. I don't give a shit. We bind the demons today? You know? Where's the <laughs> right, power? Right, of course. And so all these factions are bitching whatever, and Hakeem's like, ah, man, we got to, okay, come on. We're going to go find a place. And he, he builds Alamut. And there's a nice, beautiful, mystical way he does it like he raises his hands up in the rocks build homes and right you know he hurls a spear at the black throne and there it is that's who will rule since you need a ruler and i am gone now and he acts very much like cain i want to point that out like of what other clans ascribe cain to be this it's it's exactly the same way hakeem is operating right, right? this judge who's these acting out shithead kids and you know blah 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 except Hakeem's doing something about it I'm just gonna add that right until he doesn't and then the clans left to build their own social structure now uh breaking it down 
um, to be a little more, just describe the differences. We know about the Duat, and the Duat were the, the elders, right? That's, that's who sits up there, the eldest in their field, and that's great. We know the Silsilar are the elder bodies. Right. Those Silsilar are chosen as the Duat, but let's go a little deeper. If you're a vizier, what do you ascribe to? Well, viziers do have a form of a council, a scholarly council that is the, um, the Court of Scrolls, as they call it. And they have specific positions in the Court of Scrolls. I'll just give you two to give you an idea. Uh, you have the Seat of Storms. And the Seat of Storms just represents the natural sciences. See how this works? Uh, you have the Seat of Tongues. What could that be? Linguistics. Right. Right? For every knowledge that is useful of science that they deem needs an overall head, that's what it is. Right. That's what the viziers compete to be a part of, and that's what they're interested in, to sit up there. Why? Knowledge is power. That, that's felt by this clan, and that's what they have, and that's yeah, what they do. Very much. Um, when you look at the uh, warriors, the warriors are just warrior. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't put it any better than that. I thought there'd be some great way to do it, but they're one-dimensional. Yeah, they are. I mean, they, they are what the clan was in the eyes of all the other clans in the previous incarnation of this clan. I, I think... So my perspective on this, and, um, we're, you know, we're kind of running a little overly long already, but my perspective on this book is it gives you so much more to make this clan interesting. And this is one of the, one of the few clans where I feel like very much it would serve you as a storyteller to run this clan as its own game, right? It's, it's, uh, you, there are so many different concepts and character types and there's so much going on with this clan internally that in a lot of cases people are like well hey in what opportunity do i ever get to play an asimite right like in a camarilla game what opportunity do i get in a sabat game you you can play an asimite anti-tribute but you're missing out on this clan right run a clan game run an asimite game right because you get to have all the other clans in there but then your players can play these different concepts that fit within the the confines of of this clan there's there's some things to to add just to wind this up but yeah. if you're right time is hard there are a lot of changes in this book obviously we're not going to have the time to talk about <laughs> right them all. right uh but i will state um the important distinction now to the modern even the v20 urshalgi waking up does a couple things right first thing he confirms him being up confirms antediluvians are real <laughs> right without question right absolutely the estimates have always known that they've always had the support of their antediluvian as far as they've known they've often followed in his footsteps as far as they know that's them right that's why the camera is apprehensive to let them join because it's admitting to their own bullshit yeah meaning we've lied we didn't really care but shit i guess it's real if we bring you on board but do they have a choice they need someone who knows now why do the estimates come in the first place Urshel Gideon just wake up and say, hey, everybody, right. sit on the Black hey, Throne. It's cool. He woke up, and he went to Jamal, who was the eldest at the time. And Jamal's distinction is that he sent um, an Asimite to go kill. Um, or excuse me, Jamal, the eldest at the time, sent Jamal. Uh, this is right before he got nominated five years later as the eldest. He sent him to go kill Dracula. Why the right. fuck does that make sense? Well, because the Asimites at that time... We're trying to ally themselves with the Zemis, and the Zemis wanted to ally with them. But the Zemis are old, and they're always weird, and you have to obey what they're doing. They're tried. And Dracula, at the time, his whole land was being ravaged by the Ottoman Empire. You know, they, they were... Sultans were just basically conquering the shit out of that area. Right. And uh, he fought to have him thrown out, and so basically Dracula's like, fuck no. 
It's not happening. So the Asimites said, cool. Or the eldest, I should say, said, go kill him. Sent Jamal. Jamal came back alive, but so scarred and just beat up that the, he went in to talk to just the, the cast heads. Right. And learned what happened, and they forbid the details from getting out. <laughs> is what happened. That's telling, isn't it? Right. And then <laughs> we'll just say Jamal gets, uh, or excuse me, the uh, eldest in exile, the curse hits that the Tremere lay out. Right. And it defangs the Asimites. The eldest at that time before Jamal was so ashamed, because it was like four years after that it occurred, a very short time, um, that he committed ritual suicide. Literally couldn't live with the shame. And so Jamal was the eldest at that point, so he had to step up. Very good for the clan, right? The city was cunning, it was smart, it helped let him through some tough times. But this guy's a Muslim. Right. He's a devout Muslim. And to him, God and Hakim are hand in hand. Right. Hakim is not God, but Hakim is one who puts us on the path to keep us righteous with God. Right. And then, then fundamentally, what that does is it, it kind of it makes a more liberal clan. Right. right. And, and there, there is that belief where you're adapting your mortal beliefs to, to the belief of Hakim. And it's not just Muslims, it's Jews, it's Christians, it's, it's all these right. different people from all these different ways of life and living that are brought into the clan as the clan, you know, for lack of a better term, becomes more liberal in its what outlook. I, what I will tell you is the book outlines, I'm gonna show you the 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 maybe I have to I have to disagree to that to a mm -hmm. point. And that's because Urshul Gi doesn't give a fuck what your religion is. Right, right. No, of doesn't, course not. Doesn't right, care. right. And neither does Hakim. He right. existed before all of your alleged right. religions. It's it's not them that care. Right, but I mean, but like what they're teaching is the same thing. Right. That's why this guy gets destroyed by Urshul Gi. Right. Because this guy comes about and says, oh, well, you know, R right, the right. prophet and everything else, right? Yeah, and that's that's the perspective. It's it's me as the individual Asimite, right? Uh, let's, let's use this as a for instance. I was embraced in 1950, right? And I'm a Caucasian, uh, you know, born in America, and I have a typical Catholic... Uh, ideology, right? That's my that's my religious beliefs. Now I come into the clan and I and I do what what you would naturally do, which is I adapt my personal beliefs to what I think coincides with the belief of my clan. And then this whatever the fuck he is wakes up and he's like, that shit's wrong. And I'm like, well, no, I believe in God. Like, your God's wrong. It's this. Well, well, I'm not going to change the way I believe because this is the way I believe. Well, I, I need to get out of here. But it was a point that the Muslim extremist faction that is there, right. They did not accept right uh, those of the Jewish faith and things like that. They didn't open the borders to that because if you weren't Muslim, you you weren't there. Right. They're the ones who provided a stress in the clan because the path of blood was made to codify to literally unify them all in one belief. Because you were supposed the, the point of the heart split is to wash you anew yeah. in the life and blood of Hakim. And therefore, there is nothing before him. Right. That's how that financing was written. But if you're a Shulgi and you wake up, and the eldest sitting up there, Jamal, well, if the eldest amongst you gets to pick whatever he wishes, right? there's no wonder you have one of your most popular Asimites who was also a Muslim, uh, Fatima Al-Fakadi is out there. Great. Well, let me talk to, let me talk to Thetmus, the caliph. And what you don't know, Urshulgi wakes up and he points in his book, Thetmus Left Alamut. <laughs> right. and everybody was like oh shit dude if that must left man or must be bad news right players. right well what you don't know is uh as an example urshulgi went to uh jamal and he basically staked him to the ceiling or no he sta he, he speared him above the black throne uh -huh. for all to see for a length of time 
and then he eradicate him, uh, drained his blood into a fucking, uh, what do you call it, a stone clay jug, uh-huh. sat to the side, and cast his ashes out across the desert. That's the, that's the Sands comment I made earlier. Right. That's just this is MO. And he thought that would be all the example he needs set. There is nothing before Hakeem. You only exist because of him, and that's all there is. And, uh, well, that tells me an idea of what Hakeem must be. Right. Right? Maybe the guy you, um, maybe it's off. Right. Just a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's a, 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 these are, these are individuals that come from a way different land and a way different time. Right. And, and Themis isn't at odds with the clan. Right. Themis left to do Urshulgi's very, he's the right hand of Urshulgi. He left to find the dispossessed and to give them all the patience he could tolerate to choose. Not force your hand. Urshulgi doesn't want fanatics. That is a truth. Right. You are not supposed to be a fanatic too blind to be able to understand why you're here. You are supposed to be so loyal that you do want to be here understanding the need of who you are. And what this says is the clan's so diverse, right? Urshagi's own chilled left element because he doesn't know what's up with his sire. But did he ever? Right. Right? Alishrat allegedly knows how to bind demons to himself. So what this is here for storytellers, fans of Asimites, people in misgivings, this book's filled with tons of of intrigue and fitfo yeah. and ways of telling it, and it ties into so many other clans. Right. So different from the first one, fuck yeah. It opens it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it gives you uh, infinite possibilities to explore with this clan, and it shows you a clan that's in flux, right? It's, it is a clan that is... It's open for you as a storyteller. If you're a storyteller, it's open for you to take it in so many different directions, and it also creates... A, a new sort of intrigue, right? Where you, if, if you, if you read not to jump, uh, you know, off of this a little bit, but if, if uh, you listen to our uh, Beckett's Jihad diary review, we talk about where we're at in V20 and, and basically what it seems like they're doing is they're reconciling the information in a book like this without the actual Gehenna happening. Right. And you can see, in that book, there are examples of members of this clan who take the journey to try to join the Camarilla because there is this flux going on within the clan. So it does open up you, the player, the ability to play this clan in a Camarilla setting. It opens up for you, the player, to play this clan in the, you know, savage, you know, uh, blood-crazed warrior perspective. Or something different it even turns the mix a bit right because if you remember they tie into gehenna a big point of this and they do it deliberately as obscure right and uh, don't draw much attention it's the asmite anti-tribute leadership because we know the asmite anti-tribute are the backbone of the black hand right up until this point right but the moment urshulgi gets up less than a week they're gone right they literally leave so at a point on the eastern seaboard of america every month was another city gone and taken over in the greatest success in the history of the sabbat of ever taking over cities was done. That was all the Asmites, the Asmite aunties. Right. Old Suge Knight wakes up, they go home. I wonder if anybody else ever called him that. We always called him that. Suge Knight, dude, because <laughs> right, it's Suge Knight. Right, right. You're making a, a, a record deal, so let me get this straight. You're going to tell me I ain't going to get my cut when I get my cut, how I get my cut, Yeah, we. I'm going to parade you around? We always, we always back in the day, we always called him Suggy. Get know? in front of my car and say that. So, a- anyways... Final thoughts about Clan Book Asimite Revised. Dude, I'm biased as it fucking gets. Right. Uh, this is this is my home. 
uh, for for liking the clan. I'm also the stingiest storyteller with letting players play it. Oh yeah, and it comes from a level of selfishness, and I, it should. I can't I can't have people fuck it up. Right, right. That's what it is. Is there a wrong way? To me, hell yes, there's a wrong way. If you come with an open mind and have read the book, you have the, you have the courage to right. approach, to say, I would like to play this, and here's my background. And it's not filled with just cane bro. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the way to approach it. No, and, and you know what? Uh, you know, I've said before, uh, I've, I've had a very, uh, uh, a very democratic perspective on you know gaming and you know i i i'm i don't want to alienate anybody right you know i want to be the nice guy but i got to tell you talking to people that take pride in what they do who read the books who understand there are elements that you need to be able to portray there is a right and a wrong way right fundamentally there is a right way to ride a bike and a wrong way to ride a bike. There's a right way to fix a car and a wrong way to fix a car. There's a right way to play an Asimite and a wrong way. And this clan in so many ways can be done incorrectly, can be done poorly, and can be done in a way that makes what is a very intricate concept into something that is one-dimensional and shitty. And so I would say, make sure when you step up the, to the plate to play an Asimite, before you ever even ask your storyteller, before you as a storyteller even start to use them, you read this book and you understand it. This is not a one-dimensional clan at all. And if you're not going to do it right, don't do it. You know, you're not behooven to add them right. to your game. You're not required to play them. But don't worry. If you want them to play what they want, just so as the real deal Asimites left the Andy Tribune and did their thing, right? Black King kind of falls apart. I mean, they still exist, but it's now filled with Zemis weirdos and militant, <laughs> right. militant salubri warriors stepping up to leadership. Right. The schismatics left, right? Mm -hmm. And the schismatics, we didn't explain it. Basically, those who don't agree with Urshulgi right. left. And, and the schismatics, they're not against the clan. They're waiting until Hakim comes, up to, comes back to pass right. his judgment. There is a schism. Right. Then there's dispossessed, like Fatima Al or Fatima Al-Fakati. She has decided that she will remain neutral and help the clan and the schismatics, answering only to Al-Ashrad, as, as it's said for her, um, until Hakim comes back. Right. Nobody lost faith in Hakim, just how he should be followed. That's the important thing. Well, the people who also left Alamut were sorcerers and scholars, right? right. The viziers. And they found a home where the Asmine anti-tribute were accepted. And that's, and that's where they went. And so they went to fuel the ranks of the Black Hand to make a very different Black Hand now. They brought back Thaumaturgy. Right. They brought back everything yeah. to make them what they are. Uh, and, you know, they talk about, too, like, uh, in, you know, I know we're talking about a different book, but um, the particular sheriff character that is an Asimite. Yep. And, you know, they, they talk about the, the various clubs within the clan. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a dude that was raised in the South that right. ended up, you know, in that clan. A and, thousand meter club. Right. And, 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 you know, winding up going, some stuff is happening. And, you know, I, I don't feel like <laughs> I'm in the best place I could be if I'm there at that clan because I'm an easy scapegoat. You know, I'm, an, I'm an easy target. But what, I, what I'm referring to is that if the concepts that we talked about are too high bra for the clan, no, I don't want to play it, but I got to have my quietus. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Fine. Go ahead and you're going to ask my auntie then because yeah, that's right. when you're acceptable to not give a shit. Right, right, absolutely. And, and you're able to do what you got to do. Right. It's it's just portray what you're trying to portray properly. Yep. You know, and that's at the end of the day, we, we talk about this all the time on our other podcast. We talked about it today when we were recording it. 
like there there is a right way and a wrong way to portray everything and it's all about your level of dedication to your hobby and clearly we're dedicated to this we're dedicated in ways that is ridiculous like we don't work for the company but anyone I, I don't know of anybody else who can lay the claim that, oh, yeah, I've read a Vampire the Masquerade book a week for the last two years. Right. I just don't know anybody else that has that level of dedication. And it's not to say, like, hey, we know better than you. It's just to say, like, yeah, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And, you you know, if you're dedicated, follow it. If you're not, whatever, cool, that's fine. You know, nobody's going to be mad at you. It's your, it's your time. Nope. But but the the way that these are written and man I, I look at it like this it is the same way with any other role playing game right if you if you pick if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you play a paladin and you pick a god are you going to say that there's a right and a wrong way to play that yes there is a right and a wrong way to play that and I'll add one further so people can tie this in you aren't gamers it's like politics and religion are the two topics never to bring up in a party mm-hmm. let me tell you why. Politics and religion are the two fewest understood and right. and, and, and ever read. Right, and, and people ever. people that don't have a fully formulated opinion because they don't they they haven't taken the time to fully realize those. It's guaranteed argument of people making up bullshit and half truths to stress that they're correct, right. not that they are correct. Right, and it it uh, you know I've I've heard people complain well oh you know there's this elitism in Vampire the Masquerade well maybe there is, but. Shouldn't there be an elitism in something that you're you're like passionate about? The same elitism as there is in a social studies class when you're getting the F. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, fundamentally, we're here to review these books, and I think this is a good book, and I think that it should be done its service. Uh, I think that all, all of this material should be done its service, and, and that's that. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, it's your game. Play it how you want. Do what you want, right? But if you're going to play read (laughs) and when you're done reading apply that knowledge and you will have an idea of how rich this world can be as long as you're not making your character black panther i guess from there you could be i mean you know unless it's a superhero game and you do it with fans nah my uh yeah have fun right absolutely that's that's what it is is have fun with it we clearly know our opinion so next week is clan book uh zemis or shamase or timzimsky it's that clan book that everyone pronounces differently and no one can agree on how it's actually pronounced oh we almost didn't tell them the funny part what's the funny part first first said clan book and uh we were just looking up like you said bob you knew what the kabars were it's like it did right and they're in the first clan book but they're not in the revised right it's weird they just call them laws we found out why because kabar means news it means news <laughs> what is it the, 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 news, the news to follow right the, right uh it's, uh, it's hysterical because uh, when you think of who is it commander akbar right well, well like the what plural is the plural of kabar is akbar uh-huh Ad- admiral akbar sorry sorry star wars geeks admiral it's okay he's the news it's a trap right it makes it just makes <laughs> sense anyways it's a trap. Yeah, yeah it's just something that we were riffing on that was a lot funnier before we regurgitated it on a podcast it's still funny when you think about it from a geek perspective yeah so next week clan book shamase zemis however you want to pronounce it be there or be square all right till next week i'm nathan and i'm bob